Eric takes Leslie out of the passenger seat of the car and she's clearly incapacitated. Who knows if it was just alcohol or if it was drugs, but she literally had to lean on Eric as he was taking her inside the house. Hey everyone, I'm Jackie Flores and welcome to What Happened, where we discuss solved and unsolved cases. This week, I'll be talking about what happened to 22-year-old Leslie Palacio. This case really breaks my heart because Leslie was betrayed by a childhood friend, someone she grew up with, someone her family trusted. There's a lot of information in different timelines about this case out there, but we sourced our facts directly from the 85-page court transcripts to make sure that we had everything as factually accurate as possible. We have so much information to go over so let's jump right into it and let's talk about what happened to Leslie Palacio. Leslie was born on May 5th in 1998 in Las Vegas, Nevada. She was the second oldest of five sisters and they were all raised by their mother Araceli and their father. Her family described her as a loving, kind, strong, and hardworking person. She was friendly, kind, and had so many things that she wanted to achieve in life. Leslie was also the caretaker type of sibling. Her parents both worked a lot. Her mother worked as a cleaning lady for a hotel, so she had to work very long shifts. But Leslie was actually more than happy to help out. So she didn't step up and take on this mother role because she had to, but because she wanted to. She genuinely loved cooking and looking after her sisters. Leslie was just a natural caretaker and was very kind-hearted and family-focused. In 2020, Leslie was 22 years old and went to school at Las Vegas College where she was studying phlebotomy, which is all about learning how to draw people's blood and preparing it for testing. She was also working as a lab assistant who regularly had to take people's blood. Her co-workers said that she was really good at her job and very hardworking. She was able to calm down scared people who hated needles. Her co-workers also said that when she started there, she was pretty shy, but over time, she came out of her shell. Leslie was also very beautiful and down-to-earth, the kind of person that anyone would want to be friends with. She loved fitness and health and really enjoyed going to the gym. Now, when COVID hit and she couldn't go into the gym anymore, she still wanted to work out and she made little at-home workouts for her mom and for her sisters to do in the backyard. Also, during COVID, her mother, Araceli, was furloughed from the hotel that she was working at, and of course, that was very stressful for her. But Leslie actually told her that this is a good thing because she wanted to help her mom start her own cleaning business. That way, she could be her own boss and make her own hours so she could be free and also hopefully earn more. Her mom said, okay, let's do it, and they started the business. Quickly, they were able to secure their first few clients. This really shows us how Leslie cares about her family so much and that she was very smart and business savvy and driven. She had such a bright future ahead of her, but unfortunately, it was all taken away. Let's fast forward to August 28th, 2020 at around 11 p.m. Leslie was at home when all of a sudden she received an Instagram message from her longtime friend Eric Rangel Ibarra. Eric was actually the son of Leslie's godmother who was her mom, Araceli's best friend. Eric asked Leslie if she wanted to go out that night to the Longhorn Hotel and Casino in Vegas. Leslie normally didn't really like to hang out with Eric that much, you know, just one-on-one because he actually had feelings for her. He had asked her out on dates numerous 
numerous times, but Leslie always said no because she didn't feel that way about him. So I'm not sure if this time she thought it would be fun to, you know, go hang out as friends or what she was thinking in that moment, but she had just finished her lab assistant program that day before, so she might have wanted to go out and celebrate and just enjoy a night out. Also, just for anyone who hasn't been to Vegas, 11 p.m. isn't that late there, and it's normal to go out at that time or even start going out much later. Before Leslie left the house, she was on the phone with her sister Carly. Carly told Leslie to keep her posted on what she was doing and to check in later in the night. Carly really wasn't worried that Leslie wouldn't check in because Leslie was the type of person to always have her phone charged and someone who was very responsive to text messages and to phone calls. Leslie left the house not long after 11 p.m. Eric picked her up in his truck and they went over to the Longhorn Hotel and Casino. Leslie and Carly were texting throughout the night and they made sure to keep in touch. Then at around 4.40 in the morning, Leslie texted Carly saying, dude, I got to talk to you about some shit. And that would be the last time that Leslie's family would ever hear from her. Carly immediately texted Leslie back asking what happened. Carly said that there was a typing bubble on the screen and then all of a sudden it stopped. Leslie never hit send. Now, she was a little bit worried about this because what was it that her sister needed to tell her? And the fact that Leslie wasn't responding to any of her text messages did worry her. So she called Leslie multiple times to try to find out what was going on, but Leslie didn't answer. The longer Carly didn't hear from her, the more worried she got because her sister always replied to text messages. And if she couldn't answer a call in that moment, she would send a text message letting her know that, hey, I'll call you back later. So this was very out of character for her. On the other hand, Carly did have some peace of mind though knowing that Leslie was with their family friend Eric, who she assumed would be watching out for Leslie. The next morning, Carly wakes up and Leslie still isn't home. She tries calling her again, but Leslie's phone is still off. This is when Carly goes over to their mom, Araceli, and tells her that she's worried. Araceli immediately jumps into action and they go out and they try to find Leslie. The first thing that Carly did was try to contact Eric's sister, but she didn't answer her phone. Araceli and Carly then went to Eric's family house because he still lived with his family and they were hoping that either Leslie was there or that Eric could tell them where she was. When they got to Eric's house, they knocked on the door, but no one answered. They decided to leave and they came back an hour later and this time when they arrived to the house, they saw that one of the family members' cars was parked outside. They started approaching the house and that's when the family saw Eric's mom and his sisters moving furniture out of their home and into a truck while wearing rubber gloves. They tried to ask Eric's family if Leslie was there, but they just said no and they were, you know, being very short with the family and just avoiding eye contact. It's just odd because Leslie's mom and Eric's mom are very close friends. So you would think that the family would be open to speaking to Leslie's family and trying to figure out, you know, where she was. However, Eric's family did not seem concerned that Leslie, their goddaughter, was missing. The Palacio family filmed parts of this interaction because something was just so off about the entire thing. In the video, Eric's mom and sisters just keep doing what they're doing and they literally ignore the family. They're moving furniture, they're doing all of these weird things, and again, these are family friends, so this behavior is so odd. Since Eric wasn't at the house, or at least they weren't able to talk to him there, the Palacio family also tried calling Eric themselves, but his phone was 
was just straight up disconnected. Like not even a voicemail was going through. His service was just turned off. So the Palacio family started calling hospitals. They started calling friends, you know, anyone that might know where Leslie was, but no one had seen her. They tried to immediately file a missing persons report, but the police told them that they had to wait. I know sometimes police tell the families that they have to wait 48 hours before, you know, reporting someone as missing, but considering how important the first 72 hours are, they really need to change that rule. However, on August 30th, Leslie's family officially was able to file a missing persons report. On August 31st, Eric's family filed a missing persons report for Eric and for his father, Jose. Eric's report said that he had gone out drinking on the 28th, he came home the next morning, and then soon after he left and just never came back. Eric being missing too wouldn't be that weird, but why would his dad, Jose, be missing too? And why wouldn't Eric's family be with the Palacio family so they could all get together and look for Eric and Leslie? It's just so weird. And then after that, neighbors said that the family just disappeared. Literally, after years of seeing them every single day of being neighbors, they just vanished. It's not clear if they moved away or if they just stopped going outside, but they're obviously trying to lay low at this point. News reporters also got involved and they tried knocking on the door to speak to Eric's family, but no one answered. And when you have someone missing in your family, wouldn't you be trying to speak to the news stations? You know, wouldn't you be trying to be so public about their disappearance? That way you could get the word out, but that's not the case with Eric's family. It seemed like they didn't want to speak to the news and they didn't really want to be public about Eric or Jose being missing. Also, during this time, Eric's sister's social media accounts were completely deactivated. So the family literally just went off the face of the earth. So early in September, the police went to the Longhorn Hotel and Casino to get surveillance footage. And that footage was actually released to the public. Now, this footage shows Eric and Leslie getting out of Eric's white pickup truck and then walking inside the casino and going to the restaurant section. There's footage of them eating, there's footage of them hanging out, and then there's also footage of them walking out of the hotel and getting into the car and leaving at around 2 a.m. Through witnesses and surveillance videos, police learned that after Leslie and Eric left Longhorn, they went to Putter's Bar and Grill at around 2 15 a.m. Then after that, they went to Bourbon Street Bar and Grill and security footage shows Leslie and Eric leaving and getting into his truck outside the restaurant at 5.45 a.m. Police then went to the Rangel Ibarra's family neighbors to see if they had any home surveillance footage of Eric arriving home that night. And one neighbor did. The footage this neighbor had showed Eric and Leslie arriving to Eric's family home on August 29th at 6.05 a.m. Eric takes Leslie out of the passenger seat of the car and she's clearly incapacitated. Who knows if it was just alcohol or if it was drugs, but she literally had to lean on Eric as he was taking her inside the house. Then at 7 a.m., Eric comes out of the house by himself. He tosses something small, about hand-sized, into the passenger seat of the truck and then just drives away. Eric and the truck come back to the house 15 minutes later. At 7.26 a.m., Eric and Jose come out of the house carrying and kind of dragging a body wrapped in a bed sheet, which is insane. Like these people are doing this in broad daylight. It's not even subtle at this point. So Eric and Jose put the body into the passenger seat area of Eric's truck. Then Eric drives off and Jose quickly hoses down a patch of rocks and some grass near the driveway. The police obviously assumed that the body that they were carrying was Leslie Palacio and that she was no longer alive in that footage. After watching this footage, investigators got a search warrant for Eric's home and they started searching it from top to bottom for any evidence
evidence and to just try to figure out, you know, what actually happened. They also served a search warrant at Eric's sister's home. In Eric's bedroom, they found two drops of blood on his mattress. Also, in his room were some shirts that were hung up and one of them also had a drop of blood on it. In the master bathroom, there were two blood stains in front of the toilet, but none of these blood stains are confirmed yet to be Leslie Palacios, which I think is odd because this all happened in 2020, so I don't know how today in 2023 they haven't been able to confirm these blood stains. There were also very big bottles of cleaning supplies everywhere and latex gloves proving that there was some type of intense cleanup. At this point, police now know for sure that Eric and his dad Jose are on the run. Police searched traffic and surveillance cameras to find Eric or his white truck and after looking into all the footage, they were actually able to find his car a few times. A license plate reader picked up Eric's truck on the morning of August 29th at around 10 a.m. and it was six miles away from his house. So this could have been the time that he had been returning home to pick up Jose after disposing of Leslie's body. Also, a gas station that was 40 miles north of Las Vegas also was able to see Eric's truck getting off the highway and going towards the Valley of Fire State Park. Now, the Valley of Fire is about an hour outside of Las Vegas and it's just a wide open desert. And the same camera picked up his car coming back 20 minutes later. So police started their search for Leslie's body in the Valley of Fire. And on September 9th, 2020, police finally found Leslie Palacio. Her body wasn't buried. It was kind of just thrown behind a bush not far from the road. Leslie was only partially clothed and there were heel marks in the dirt near her body that implied that she had been dragged there by the arms. She was also not wearing pants and her thong was not in the correct place. Now, this really just shows Eric's lack of remorse for killing Leslie. The fact that this is his childhood friend and he did something so horrible to her and then just threw her body on the side of the road as if she was nothing is just absolutely terrible. Now, Leslie's cause of death is unknown because the desert she was left in was so insanely hot that it actually sped up her decomposition. So there is not enough evidence on Leslie's body to clearly determine how she died. But we do know that there was blood on Eric's bed and that there were cleaning supplies everywhere. So I guess from those points, we can kind of come to a conclusion. So now police are on the hunt for Eric and Jose, and they learned that they had stayed at a relative's house in Moreno Valley, California, which is about a four hour drive from Las Vegas. Eric's truck was actually discovered in Moreno Valley. Eric's cousin told police that he drove Eric and Jose from Moreno Valley to San Ysidro and that their plan was to cross the border into Mexico. If they did cross the border, it would be so much harder for them to be located and arrested because as you know, once you're in Mexico, it's very hard for you to be found. And this is for a couple of reasons. I mean, first reason is you don't even need to be checked when going into Mexico. So you can cross the border and literally no one will know that you entered because you don't have to show any type of identification. So when Eric and Jose crossed the border, most likely there wasn't even an officer that saw that they did that. The odds of people knowing that you're in Mexico are very low. On top of that, there is so much police corruption. So if they somehow do catch you, it's not that hard to, you know, pay off the officers and just get away with it. The third fact is that this is an American case. So of course, not everyone in Mexico is going to know that you are a wanted person. So if you're just out and about in a town in Mexico, the odds of someone recognizing you are very low. But the FBI did join the case so that they could try to work on finally catching Jose and Eric. 
Police continued the search for Eric and Jose, and on January 19th, 2021, Jose was found. He had turned himself in at the San Ysidro border in San Diego. Apparently, he turned himself in because he didn't want to be on the run anymore, but who knows if that was the actual reason. Jose was charged with destruction of evidence and accessory to murder. Police asked Jose, where is your son Eric? But he told police that he actually got separated from Eric as soon as they crossed into Mexico. That way, it would be harder to find them. You know, if they stay together, of course, that gives them a greater chance of being caught. But if they separate and they each kind of go their own way, it does make it harder. Now, I don't really know if Jose is telling the truth. It just seems a little bit doubtful because if he was already willing to help his son dispose of a body and his goddaughter at that, I'm sure he would have no problem continuing to lie for Eric to keep him hidden. So now that Jose was in police custody, he sat down and told police his point of view of what happened the day that Leslie disappeared. He said that on the morning of August 29th, his son Eric was acting a little off. Something just didn't seem right. Because of this behavior, Jose decided to take Eric to Mexico, which that doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, if your son is acting weird that day, why is your first instinct to just take him across the border? But that's a story that Jose was going with. However, as soon as police heard the story, they told Jose, listen, we have surveillance footage of what actually happened that day, and they showed Jose the footage. As soon as Jose realized that police had the surveillance footage of him, you know, hosing off the driveway and doing all of these crazy things, his story quickly changed. Now, Jose said that he was working in the garage when he saw Eric come downstairs shirtless, dragging Leslie's body on a bed sheet. Eric was freaking out, which made Jose freak out. He began to panic, and he decided to help Eric load Leslie into the truck because he didn't want anyone else in the family to see her and become involved. Jose said that Leslie didn't have any signs of injuries and that Eric told him that Leslie died of an overdose. Jose did say that he didn't see any vomit on Leslie and he did notice that Leslie wasn't fully clothed. Now, if she did die of an overdose, why wouldn't they just call 911? Unless she overdosed on something that Eric gave her without her knowledge, maybe that's why they decided to keep it hidden, but you would think that the parent in this situation, Jose, would be mature enough to call the police and report what had happened. Instead, Jose said that Eric told him he was going to take Leslie's body to Utah to get rid of it. Now, Jose didn't think that he was going to see his son Eric again that day, but when Jose went to his daughter's apartment, Eric showed up there too and was talking about killing himself, so that's when Jose decided to try and take Eric to Mexico. He also said that his wife and daughters don't know anything about what happened that night. Now, that just seems pretty hard to believe considering that there were cleaning supplies in the house, they stopped communication with the Palacio family, and they were getting rid of furniture the day after Leslie disappeared. So it's just hard to believe that the entire family didn't know about what had happened. Now, he told detectives that Eric indicated that he and Leslie had drank a lot before she died, and that Eric believed it was due to an overdose. Jose's hearing before a grand jury started in February of 2021. In the hearing, Carly testified about her last text to Leslie. Eric's friend also testified about a call that they had the morning of August 29th. The friend said that at around 8 a.m., Eric called him, but not from his regular phone number. On the call, Eric asked if the friend would go and get a can of gasoline for him. He said Eric didn't want to be picked up on the gas station surveillance cameras. He asked Eric, you know, why can't you be on surveillance footage? And Eric said, 
I killed a bitch. The friend said Eric sounded so calm when he said this that he actually didn't believe that he actually murdered someone. But Eric told him that he was being for real and he repeated two more times, I killed a bitch, she's dead in the backseat of my truck right now. The friend asked Eric, you know, where he was and he said that he was in Utah. Eric also confirmed to the friend that he was calling him off a burner phone. Now, the friend still didn't know if he should actually believe Eric, but either way, he decided not to help him. He made up an excuse that he had somewhere to be and Eric said, okay, and quickly hung up the phone. Now, this entire conversation is wild to me. The fact that Eric literally is calling Leslie a bitch and is just so upfront about admitting that he killed someone and is asking his friend for help. It's all crazy to me and the fact that the friend didn't call police in that moment to let them know, hey, my friend just admitted to killing someone. I just feel like the friend could have done more in that situation. Also, how did Eric get a burner phone? Like, did he have this burner phone before Leslie died? Did he buy it afterwards? I mean, all of this behavior is just so suspicious. A detective also testified about the state Leslie's body was in when she was found. We had known before that she was only partially clothed, but the detective confirmed that Leslie was only wearing a top and underwear, and her underwear weren't in the correct place. They were actually on sideways. The detective testified that the person who put them on her must have not been familiar with the way that women wear their underwear. This is just so upsetting and so disturbing. Just thinking about Leslie's state and how she was when she was found is so sad. And, you know, even though her cause of death and what happened to her hasn't been confirmed, just by the fact that she was wearing only her underwear and a top just makes you wonder, you know, what actually happened to her. The detective also said that Leslie's jeans were tossed in a bush a few feet away from her body. He explained that Leslie's cause of death still isn't known. Decomposition was too far along and also insects had gotten to her body. They still didn't have Leslie's toxicology report so they don't know if she had been drugged and that could have been what caused her death. Now, the reason Leslie's report hasn't come back yet is because of Las Vegas backlog that only got worse during COVID. They are so backed up so I don't know how long it's going to take for us to find out, you know, what actually happened to Leslie. Jose was indicted by the grand jury. Basically, that means that the jury has filed charges against Jose and that he'll have to go to trial. And on June 18th, 2021, Jose actually pleaded guilty to all of his charges. However, he was only sentenced to two years in prison. And honestly, that is so shocking to me. Leslie's family was also shocked by the sentence and they even publicly begged the judge to give Jose more time. But two years is all he got. I just don't understand how the two years came into factor. Like the fact that you can help someone get rid of a body and cover all of this up and you only get to serve two years is insane to me. On top of that, like this man was their close family friend and he helped dispose of their daughter's body and then allowed them to go through hell while they try to figure out what actually happened. And on top of that, he is still doing nothing to help police find Eric, the person that actually killed Leslie. Now, Jose did try to apologize to the Palacio family in court. He said that he regrets what he did, but that his love for his son just overpowered him. However, the Palacio family stated that they do not forgive him and that they don't think his apology is sincere.
Because this happened to the Palacio family, they're now working to get the law changed that in future cases, someone who helped in a murder will get more time than just two years. The family is also hopeful that Eric will be found and brought back to the United States so that there will be finally justice for Leslie. There's also a GoFundMe set up for the reward for Eric's capture and so far they have raised close to $20,000 but getting the word out could even help them raise more. Also, if you have been to Mexico or you live there and you might have seen Eric, please contact the police. We just need to make sure that this case isn't forgotten about and that people realize that there is still someone on the run. Eric needs to be found, he needs to be brought back to the United States, and he needs to be held accountable for what he did. You know what's even crazier is that Jose is literally out of prison. He is out and about. I don't know where he is or what he's up to, but the fact that, you know, he's already out after doing such a horrendous thing is so upsetting to me and my heart just breaks for Leslie's family. But all right, you guys, that's pretty much all I have for today's video. I will keep you guys posted on any new movements in the case. My thoughts and prayers go out to Leslie's family. I am so sorry that this happened and I truly hope that Eric is caught and that you all receive justice and closure soon. Thank you all for listening to Leslie's case. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Pastor Bedtime YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode and it would be amazing if you guys could rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Instagram at the Jackie Flores and on TikTok at True Crime Jackie. Thank you guys for being here and I will see you all in the next video. Bye guys.